0: It's Friday afternoon in July, 1973, Chicago. Thanks for coming in, Fred. Fred Smith, the CEO of Federal Express, is walking out of a meeting with executives at the General Dynamics offices. One of the executives ushers him to the door. Sorry we couldn't work something out. Smith forces himself to smile and shake the executive's hand. But inside, he's reeling. He'd been counting on General Dynamics to invest in FedEx. Well, thanks for hearing me out. I I appreciate it. Outside the building, he hails a cab and slumps in the back seat. O'Hare Airport, please. You got it. Smith stares out the window. No matter how he looks at it, his company is toast. They have $5,000 in their account and a $24,000 fuel bill that has to be paid Monday if he wants his planes to fly. If the planes can't fly, then they can't deliver packages. The driver looks at him in the rearview mirror. Everything okay? Let me give you a piece of advice. Sometimes when people tell you your dog won't hunt, it's because they lack vision. And other times it's because they can see something you can't trick is to know which is which and this time i think i got it wrong ah sorry to hear that smith's mind wanders to his undergraduate days at yale back when he wrote a paper for an economics class outlining his plan for an overnight shipping service the professor gave him a c saying he had some good ideas but the concept was unworkable Since then, potential investors have told him there's no way his company will break even, let alone turn a profit. Despite all the evidence to the contrary, though, he still thinks they're wrong. If only he could buy himself just a little more time. The driver pulls up in front of the terminal. We here, sir. Thanks. Smith walks into the terminal. He's dreading going back to Memphis. Memphis telling everyone the bad news. So many people have given the company so much. Executives have skipped paychecks. Pilots paid for fuel on their personal credit cards when the company cards were maxed out. All because they believed in Smith and his vision. He's failed everyone. Smith approaches the counter where an attendant greets him. Where are you headed today, sir? Mimph. He stops mid-word. Another flight catching his eye. His mind races. He couldn't, could he? It would be harebrained, but it's also the only way he can save the company. Sir? Smith looks at her, a small smile on his face. Uh, Let me get a ticket on the next flight to Las Vegas. Smith has gambled everything for FedEx. But he's about to roll the dice one more time. Enjoy a powerful business upgrade with Dell Technologies Black Friday in July event. Get amazing savings with up to 50% off high-performance computers and tech built for business. And be able to take your office with you with Windows 10 Pro. Plus, get great offers on Dell servers, monitors, docks, and more. All with easy financing options through Dell Financial Services. Call 877-ASK-DELL. That's 877-ASK-DELL and speak with a Dell Technologies advisor today. Louisiana's diverse landscapes include dense timber forests and seafood-rich coastlines, and every step along the way you'll find a business environment that's strong, diverse, and ripe with opportunity. Need proof? Louisiana is where NASA and higher ed partners build rockets that will soon put the first women on the moon. It's also where the port system delivers the most domestic cargo in the U.S., and Louisiana is home to the best workforce development program in the country. See what Louisiana economic development can do for you. Visit OpportunityLouisiana.com today. From Wondery, I'm David Brown, and this is Business Wars. In our last episode, Fred Smith used his inheritance to start a new shipping company to fill a hole in the market. Guaranteed overnight shipping using his company's own airplanes. Even UPS, the country's biggest private shipping company, didn't offer that. Despite investor skepticism, Smith launched with great expectations. But on day one, they shipped a whopping six packages. Now, Smith has to figure out how to gain altitude fast or they're all going down in flames. This is Episode 2, Vegas or Bust. It's March 1973, four months before Fred Smith's impromptu trip to Las Vegas. Smith has returned to Memphis from New York and called an emergency meeting of his top executives after their disastrous first day of service. Six! We had six packages. I just don't understand how this happened. All our estimates said we'd have at least a couple of hundred. Are we all idiots? He turns to Roger Frock, his chief operations officer. Roger? Explain it to me. What went wrong? <clears throat> As you know, we sent out sales teams to each city where we were offering our service. The sales team would pitch our service to customers. and Each night, our salespeople would call to tell us how many packages each customer planned to send. Yes, Roger, I was there. I even took some of those calls. Well, I think some of the salespeople were telling us what we wanted to hear and not, perhaps, using their critical thinking skills. What does that mean? I've been going through the reports all night, and I saw one estimate that a brick-making company would ship 20 packages per day. At first, I thought they meant samples going to architecture firms, but I called the sales rep, and he insisted that no, this company said it was shipping bricks to construction sites. And we believe these jokers? Of course they wouldn't ship pallets of bricks on an airplane. There's a 50-pound limit per package. That kind of shipping is precisely what trucks are made for. With all due respect, we did reduce the estimates of packages aggressively by 90%. But 10% of a fantastical number is still going to be off. Smith stares him down, and Frock suddenly remembers that his boss served as a platoon leader with the Marines in Vietnam. Fix it. I want to relaunch in one month. And gentlemen, failure is not an option. While FedEx is struggling to get off the ground, UPS is clipping along maintaining their lead as the biggest private shipping company in the country. But behind the scenes, a problem is simmering. It's 1973 in Cleveland, Ohio. A delivery truck driver named Mike has just returned to the UPS warehouse after a long shift. He hops down from the cab and stretches his back nearby, and Mackie, a fellow driver, notices him. Long shift? Mike nods as he continues to stretch out his sore muscles. Is it just me, or are they adding more packages to our routes? It's not just you. They're definitely trying to increase our productivity. You know, we have a contract negotiation coming up. If we had a union that actually fought for us, we might be able to put some limits on this kind of thing. (laughs) Ha! That'll be the day. In 1919, 12 years after he started the company, UPS founder Jim Casey realized it was inevitable that his employees would unionize. Rather than risk them joining one of the more militant unions, he pursued an alliance with the Teamsters. For decades, the Teamster leadership agreed to business-friendly contracts with UPS, the largest employer they represent. But now, some UPS workers are trying to change that. Mackey leans forward, speaking quietly. Seriously, if we could get the right stewards and elect the right local president, we could make a real difference. We're having a meeting about it. You should come. All right. Give me the info. Back at UPS headquarters, the executives are confident the Teamster leadership will keep their workers in line. They aren't worried about the growing unrest, but with rank-and-file drivers starting to rebel space is opening up for Federal Express to make a dent in UPS's market share, if they can figure out how to sell themselves. It's March 1973, and FedEx exec Roger Frock is watching sales reps make calls to potential customers. Diana, one of the sales reps, hangs up her phone, dejected. Frock notices. Another hang-up? My third this hour. The company has decided to call their March launch a systems test and try again in mid-April. The sales team is working as hard as they can to recruit customers for their new official start next month. But it's not going well. (sighs) Frock sighs. He knows the service is unique in the marketplace and he knows they're going after the right customer base. After all, Smith has first-hand experience with the kind of problems their customers are facing. His days running Arkansas Aviation taught him all about the frustration of waiting around, never knowing when replacement parts would arrive. Overnight shipping should be an answer to their prayers. But something's not clicking. Frock lingers by Diana's desk. What were you saying when they hung up? I was explaining our hub-and-spoke model, like we've been trained to do, but it just frustrated him. He didn't understand why if he's trying to ship a package from Chicago to Milwaukee, it goes to Memphis first. Said it was idiotic, and then he hung up. The hub-and-spoke model means that no matter where a package is coming from or where it's going, it goes first to Memphis, where it's processed and sorted. The model reduces the number of routes FedEx has to fly, and it allows them to maximize the number of packages on one plane, which means they only need one sorting facility in Memphis, rather than in every city. Diana shifts in her chair. Can I speak candidly, sir? Frock nods. No one cares about hubs or spokes. It just confuses folks. All they want to know is that their package is going to be where it needs to be at the time it needs to be there. That's all we need to tell them. Frock thinks about it. It's worth a shot. If they don't get these sales figures up... He and a bunch of other executives are going to need to start polishing their resumes. All right, let's give it a try. Diana smiles and picks up the phone. A man answers. Parks Medical Manufacturing, how can I help you? Hi, I'm calling from Federal Express. We're a new shipping company, and I wanted to let you know that we're offering overnight shipping. That means delivery by noon the next morning to 25 cities. By noon the next day? Huh. That sounds unlikely. Is there any kind of guarantee on that? There sure is. Complete money back. Uh, How is that possible? Because we have six planes that do nothing but fly your packages. No other shipping company offers that. Huh. Well, let me get your info. This sounds like something we could be interested in. Thanks for calling. Diana gives him the information and flashes Frock a satisfied grin. Fred Smith opens the door to his office and heads out to the sorting center of the FedEx hub. It's April 17, 1973, the first official start of business for Federal Express. Smith has been busying himself all day, talking to investors, distracting himself from hounding his team members about the number of packages that have come in. But he can't wait any longer. He needs to know. Smith spots Frock talking to a pilot getting ready to head out. Smith isn't someone who gets nervous easily, but he's got butterflies as he approaches the two men. Frock spots him and steps away from the pilot. Smith takes a deep breath. It's time for the moment of truth. So? Well, we have over 30 times more packages than we did the last time around. Smith nods as he does some quick math in his head. So somewhere north of 180? Yep. 185 packages. We're on the right path. Smith nods. It's a disappointment. Because they had been so wrong last time, he and the other executives hadn't made any official projections. But he had been hoping for more. Frock notices Smith's downcast face. Look, I really think we're onto something. We just need to hang on a little longer. Once we get people hooked on overnight shipping, it's going to be hard for them to go back. Smith nods. He agrees, but where can he find the money to keep them going? 185 packages is a start, but they're going to need more than that to get investors interested. And now that they've officially launched again, their model is public. If UPS makes a move before Smith can stabilize FedEx's finances, they're done for. Where's my order? Where's my order? Where's my order? Break free from customer support monotony. Welcome to Intercom for customer support, the business messenger that uses chatbots, shared inboxes, apps, and more. Intercom's business messenger resolves questions that can be answered automatically, so customer support feels less like Groundhog Day and more like help is on the way. Go to intercom.com support to learn more about Intercom's business messenger for customer support. Birthdays, holidays, promotions, getting that last sprinkle donut. There's a lot in this world worth celebrating, but nothing is worth celebrating more than knowledge, especially knowledge that will pay off, like understanding how compound interest works, knowing how to check your investment professional's background, or figuring out your risk tolerance or finally understanding all those terms your friends keep throwing around like ETF, ESG, and ICO. Go to Investor.gov today to learn about these investment products and more. How much do you already know about investing? Find out by putting your financial knowledge to the test with their new investment quiz. Investor.gov is your unbiased resource for valuable investment information, tools, and tips. Before you invest, Investor.gov. It's June 1973. 68-year-old Paul Oberkotter sits at the head of the conference table and checks the agenda. He's the CEO and chairman of the board at UPS. He stepped in when the previous CEO passed away. Paul has been working for the company since 1925, when UPS was primarily contracting with department stores to make deliveries. He came in as a bookkeeper when he was 20 and worked his way up. All right, we've got to hold the line with the union. No concessions. We're not in the post war boom times anymore. We're not going to be intimidated by the strikers either. The economy's lagging, and contracts need to reflect that. Paul's younger brother, Harold, nods. Harold's the vice chairman of the board. Like his brother, Harold started with the company in 1925. He was 15 and worked as a bike messenger. They are both cautious, with a careful eye toward the bottom dollar. Just like Jim Casey, the company founder who they both work closely with. Are we all in agreement? Yes yes. Yes. Yeah. Paul gathers up his papers. All right. That brings us to the end of our meeting. Unless anyone else has anything to add. He pauses and looks around. "No one has anything." Paul nods and starts to rise. <clears throat> Sorry, I do have one thing. Paul turns to see one of the board members looking at him nervously. All right, go ahead. As I'm sure you're aware, there's a new company called Federal Express. Paul and Harold exchange a look. Is this the overnight delivery service? Yes, it is. It's not cutting into our business much yet, but I did wonder if we should consider adding a similar service, even investing in our own planes. No. I agree. I don't think it's necessary. The board member looks at them. Surprised by how quickly and vehemently the brothers rejected his suggestion. Harold sighs. Look, Jim Casey tried to use private airplanes for packages in 1929. There was no demand. He had to shut down the service in two years. It almost took the whole company down with it. We have our Blue Label service, which lets customers ship packages in two days on passenger airlines. That's good enough. The board member takes a breath. Wanting to argue back, The world has changed in the past 44 years, he wants to say. Just because the service didn't take off the year of the biggest stock market crash in the country's history doesn't mean it won't work now. But he knows he won't get anywhere. Sure enough, Paul nods and agrees with his brother. Airplanes are risky. I don't like risky. This Federal Express company will flame out before you know it. Mark my words. The board member nods. All right. Just thought I'd mention it. Paul leans forward. We appreciate it. We want to keep our eye on the ball and continue to work expanding into all 50 states. Our main goal is winning over customers from the Postal Service. Now let's stick with that. Good meeting, gentlemen. And the way things are going, it does seem like FedEx will be a short lived experiment. It's July 1973. Four months after FedEx's official launch, and Fred Smith is sitting at a blackjack table in the wee hours of the morning. He's the only one left at his table. He started out with five thousand dollars, and now he's at twenty thousand. He needs four thousand more if he wants FedEx to live to fly another day. He checks his hand. He holds seventeen. The smart move would be to stay. It's too risky that he'll get a card higher than four and bust. But he likes risk, the adrenaline of it. That's why he learned how to fly at 15. The dealer needs him to make a decision. Sir? Smith throws back his drink. Hit me. Smith closes his eyes as the dealer places the card face up on the table. 21. Smith's eyes widen. A four! He can hear his own heart beating as he waits for the dealer to deal himself a card dealer has 19. Yes, that's what I'm talking about. The fuel bill will be paid on Monday. The dealer looks at him, unsure what this means. Congratulations, sir. Another hand. Smith pauses. He should stop now. He has the money he needs. But a little cushion never hurt anyone and his luck is riding high. Deal me in. When Smith gets to the office on Monday, employees notice he's in an unusually good mood. He's returned from Las Vegas with $32,000, enough to pay the fuel bill and keep FedEx out of the poorhouse for now. In the coming months, the company manages to hang on, but their finances are always on the edge. By August, they're shipping 1,500 packages a day, not enough to break even but enough to lure in some investors. It's November 1973, and Smith and Frock stride through the doors of the Memphis office. They're just back from New York, meeting with yet more investors and bank officers. Their employees look up nervously. For months, they've wondered if each day is going to be their last. They had high hopes for this latest round of meetings, and everyone could really use some good news. Smith and Frock don't keep them waiting long. Success. One employee calls out from the back: So the investments came through?" Smith nods enthusiastically. We got 24.5 million in equity investments and 27.5 million in long-term loans." Frock smiles broadly. For those of you who aren't too quick with a mental math, that's 52 million dollars." That, by the way, is the largest private venture capital funding in United States history. There you go. Smith holds up his hands, indicating for everyone to settle down. And now that we know that we're on more solid footing, everyone is going to be getting a bonus. We know how hard you worked, how many sacrifices you've made. You've earned this. Rome wasn't built in a day, but it might have been if you all had been involved. With FedEx finally financially stable, it can turn its attention beyond surviving the next day. And as UPS's labor problems expand, FedEx sees an opportunity to make its move on Big Brown's market dominance. On the next episode, FedEx cuts into UPS's customer base, and UPS realizes it needs to get its own wings. From Wondery, this is episode two of FedEx versus UPS for Business Wars. If you like our show, please give us a five-star rating and review, and be sure to tell your friends. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Wondery app, or wherever you're listening right now. Join Wondery Plus in the Wondery app to listen ad-free. You'll also find some links and offers from our sponsors in the episode notes. Supporting them helps us keep offering our shows for free. And a quick note about recreations you've been hearing. In most cases, we can't know exactly what was said. Those scenes are dramatizations, but they're based on historical research. I'm your host, David Brown. Austin Rackless wrote this story. Karen Lowe is our senior producer and editor. Edited and produced by Emily Frost. Sound designed by Kyle Randall. Our executive producers are Jenny Lauer Beckman and Marshall Louie, Created by Hernan Lopez. For Wondering.
1: Looking for the hottest takes and the spiciest celebrity gossip? Look no further. Welcome to Rich and Daily, the all-new podcast from Wondery that's going to bring you up to speed on all of Hollywood's most current secrets and scandals. Need to know what Harry and Meghan are up to? What's the latest in Britney's conservatorship hearing? We've got you covered. I'm Arisha Skidmore Williams, and along with my bestie and fellow Celeb News fanatic, Brooke Sifrin, we're bringing you the latest entertainment gossip every Monday through Friday. Is that rumor you heard about Rihanna true? If it is, you better believe we'll have something to say about it. So if you want to be in the know about who's been seen with whom and who's in and who's out, join us on Rich and Daily, because we don't just listen to the rumor mill, we give you the celebrity facts as they happen. Listen to Rich and Daily on Amazon Music, or you can listen to episodes ad-free by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app. With Rich and Daily, feel the gossip. Wondery, feel the story.